Welcome to the Guhei. In this episode, I'm talking with Harvey Berman, a 1991 graduate hailing from the 15th Company. Before I tell you about Harvey, it's important that I explain the serendipity that led to this episode and its name. While conducting networking calls for my career search, I had the pleasure of speaking with Bill Monroe, a 1976 Air Force Academy graduate. At USAFA, Bill lettered all four years in water polo and swimming. Bill's a great guy. During our 20-minute Zoom call, he repeatedly expressed doubt that he could be helpful to me in my job search because he was an old guy at age 67. Not true. By calls in, Bill said, quote, you know what you need to do? You need to do something goofy. I did, end quote. He told me a great story about how he challenged himself at age 65. Bill and one of his friends, as part of their work with a nonprofit, were trying to figure out how they could raise money to build water wells for villagers in Malawi. Bill, his swimming days long behind him, and his friend decided to swim from Catalina Island off the coast of California to Redondo Beach. The two raised enough money to build 10 wells that today provide fresh water to 30,000 Africans. Bill's message, always challenge yourself because it will give you the courage to do business. Message received. Which brings me to Harvey Berman, whom I connected with shortly after my conversation with Bill. At the Naval Academy, Harvey was an economics major and like Bill, a recruited water polo athlete from Southern California. A pinched nerve and knee problems, however, kept Harvey from competing. Realizing he couldn't go Navy Air because of 2030 vision, Harvey pursued a career in spec ops, but two tears and three years to his anterior cruciate ligament derailed that dream. Ultimately, he transitioned to public affairs before medically discharging from the Navy in 1994. Today, Harvey boasts a long, successful career as a technology sales and business development leader. Currently, he is VP Global Sales at ABI Research and previously VP Strategic Business Development at Contron. I've gotten acquainted with Harvey and learned a few things. Besides his love of baseball cards, he would have been a great fit for Spec Ops. When talking with him, you sense his intensity, competitive nature, and desire to constantly challenge himself. It's probably why he loves martial arts, strength conditioning, and archery. To say Harvey is a resilient optimist would be an understatement. He is undaunted by life's curveballs and simply won't let setbacks keep him down. In short, he just keeps chopping wood. He's joining us today to give us the guhei on living your best life by making complacency your enemy, getting out of your comfort zone, and challenging yourself to do something goofy. Let's get started. Harvey Berman, welcome to the guhei. Thank you, William. Good to chat with you. Absolutely. We're talking about doing something goofy. Uh, <laughs> Two years ago, you decided to do something goofy. You were sitting comfortably in a $400,000 job doing well when you decided to leave it and move across country. Like me, I think that people listening to this episode would love to have a job earning that kind of money. Why did you decide to quit and uproot your life? I want to start with the word goofy, because if any of my classmates are listening, that's probably the word they used to describe me 30 years ago. So I think you hit on the perfect word to start with. Apropos. <laughs> I want to start by dispelling the notion that a lot of us have about money and that money is, is going to make us happier. I have some friends who they did really well and they got the money and then they bought the car, and then they got the boat, and they got the house. If you were to ask them, well, where are you at? They weren't any happier. It was just things. Elon Musk has a quote that half the population in the world makes a couple dollars a day. 
And of that population, half of those people were really happy. And he said, I also know 20 billionaires and none of them are happy. Money is great. It gives you some freedom, but it's not by any means the end. In my case, walking away, well, yeah, that was a lot of money. The reason I did it, I had attended a conference maybe four years ago, put on by Jago Willink and Leif Babin, Leif, who was a classmate of ours. One of the key takeaways was getting out of your comfort zone and being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. I wanted to then really live that. I started getting up really early, uh, which I still do today. I get up at 4.30, but pushing myself to be better personally, to be better professionally, better in athletics. The guys who were then on my team, I wanted to push them too, and I wanted to inspire them to get there. What I realized was I'd hit maybe a little bit of a stopping point. I was getting very, very comfortable in my job and in my career. I wasn't practicing the thing that I was preaching to everyone else. And that was eating at me. I was on a business trip on the East Coast. I was in Boston and I had a very, very rare afternoon off. A friend of mine was down in Newport, Rhode Island, which is the first place I came after graduation, right? Surface Warfare Officer School. And I remember I was walking around Newport. I said, wow, it's beautiful here. It'd be cool to, to maybe live here. Didn't really know anyone. I got back home and I was talking to my girlfriend. I said, you know, and I framed it this way. So we were talking about getting out of our, our comfort zone and we're doing all this cool stuff, right? So, you know, it'd be really cool. What if we moved cross country and just totally start over? She thought about it for less time than I would have thought. Said, okay. As we talked more, we said, you know, but if we're really going to go for it, we should quit our jobs too. It really started zero. I thought about that a lot. To me, it was the right move. I went to my boss and I told him, he's like, you've got to have something else lined up. I said, I don't. I said, I need to go do the next thing and find out what does this movie look like? I want a different ending to this movie. And I love working with my guys. I had a great team and I enjoyed the company, but I knew that if I didn't challenge myself to do the next thing, I would become stagnant and I wouldn't be living the thing that I kept telling everybody else, including myself, to go do. Now, you believe that life is for the living. This is your philosophy. And the key to living is challenging yourself. That's what we just heard. How and why did you arrive at that perspective in life? Was it just the conference or did or was there something else that impacted you that said, I got to challenge myself. There's more I got to do in this lifetime. Ever since I was a little kid, I always had this really competitive thing. You hear about that a lot. You hear Michael Jordan was super competitive. The problem was I may have been as competitive as him with none of the athletic talent <laughs> or right. a very small percentage. Right. <laughs> but, it's true for most people in the world, by the way. <laughs> right. So maybe not none, but a lot less. In everything that I did, I wanted to do it really well. And it wasn't to demean or beat people. I just, I wanted to, to do it as well as I possibly could. And I don't know entirely where that came from. I know that as I got older and certainly in athletics and from, from playing water polo and then getting into martial arts and jujitsu, that sort of fed into that. Professionally, being in sales, that was always part of it because the most junior guy on a sales team, whatever sales team you're on, everybody gets ranked. You know right where you are. You don't ever want to see your name at the bottom. 
I didn't even want to be number two or number three. I wanted to do as well as I possibly could. Didn't mean I didn't respect the other guys. Absolutely. I had a tremendous amount of respect for them. I knew I'd be letting myself down if I didn't get to that level. There was a movie that came out when we were in college. It was called Young Guns. And I remember it. I think it was Emilio Estevez and some other guy. And there was a scene where the lead character said, you know, those times when we're on the horses and the bad guys are chasing us and they're shooting us. and We don't know where we're going. And everything's going crazy. And one of the guys like, I hate that. And the main character said, I love that. <laughs> I had always identified with that comment that when things are so unsettled and difficult and challenging, I'm not telling you those times have always been easy for me. They haven't. But there's a part of me that wanted to take those head on. When I've done those things and taken them on, of course, the accomplishments feel good. But I've always been careful. I want to draw the line at ego and not have that drive my decisions. As we get older, I hope at some level I can use that to maybe inspire other people or the people who are on my sales team or the people who are my friends or the people who are close to me. The other reason, though, is I do it and I challenge myself for the people who can't. I've had good friends who've passed away. And in the last year, I had a classmate of ours who was in Afghanistan and who was killed shortly after graduation. I know if he had one more day, he'd want to go work out with me. He would want to go do as well as he could in his job. He'd want to have better relationships in his life. When I do these things, in some sense, it's to honor those people who, who can't. I got to go back to when you did something goofy and you left your job. How did that go? How did it work out? What happened? We had a going away party. We had probably 40 or 50 people there. A lot of them came up to me and they said, you're crazy, including my parents who know I'm crazy. <laughs> but, but I think 70 or 80% of the people said, wow, I wish I could do that. It was really enlightening hearing that. I remember thinking in my head, you could do this. About a week or two after that, packed up the car. I had no job and drove across country with just the stuff in my car. I was going to ship all the rest of the stuff. Bought a house, totally sight unseen. Drove out in about three days. The day that I arrived in Rhode Island, I went to the gym because you have to get a workout in, right? So I went right. to the gym, <laughs> found a gym that would let me work out. As I left the gym, my car had just been wrecked. Somebody had done hit and run and I was looking at it and there was no way it was drivable. I called AAA, they called someone, they towed the car and I wasn't thinking very straight because I had all this stuff going on. For whatever reason, I walked home and I'm looking up and it's not looking very good. It was cold out. It was totally overcast. I walked back. I've got the key. My neighbor said, do you have a shovel? No. Why? We're going to have about a foot of snow tonight. <laughs> Welcome to Newport, Rhode Island. Welcome to Rhode Island. I went in the house and I realized I had left my sleeping bag and my air mattress in the car, which had been towed to someplace. I didn't even know where it was. For the first couple nights, I just slept on the floor. I was thinking, wow, what am I going to do for a job? Because I don't have a job lined up. About a week after that, one of my best friends died. It was absolutely horrible. I remember walking outside one night and just looking up at the sky and saying, what else do you have? It was one of those moments when 
my back was just up against the wall. And when that happens, for me, there's only one option, and that's to go forward. I had a little talk with myself, and as much as that sucked and was difficult and was not something that probably a lot of people would want to go through, I knew in that moment I absolutely had to go forward no matter what. So just to recap, you're in California, you have a nice paying job, got a girlfriend, and you said, I'm going to upset that. (laughs) I'm going to drive across country to one of the coldest places in America. I've lived in Newport, Rhode Island twice. And each time I lived there, we got plenty of foots of snow. (laughs) When you got there, you had all this bad stuff happen. And you look up at the sky and say, what's next? Fun fact, I never asked that question because I'm afraid of what could happen next. (laughs) (laughs) How did you go forward? How did you work it out? First thing I did was... I found out where my car was so I could get my air mattress because <laughs> I was tired of sleeping on the floor. That was a good first step. <laughs> I did find a job. I purposefully took a job in a slightly different industry than the one that I was in. I had a lot of people say, oh, you're looking for a job. That's great. We'd love to work with you. I said no to a lot of those because I wanted to continue the theme. What's the hardest, most difficult, challenging thing? I can do. And I ended up picking something that was kind of adjacent to what I'm doing, but definitely outside of that circle of that particular industry. In terms of my friend, that was really hard. That was one of the lower points. I felt incredibly sad, but incredibly privileged for the time that we had. All the things that I learned from him and that I still remember, I took away everything that he had done and how he had impacted my life and sort of made a promise to myself, I'm going to use that in a positive way. Harvey, that's great, by the way. But I welcomed you to the Guhei, and the Guhei is all about the real. We like to get to the heart of the matter here. And sometimes when I have a guest on, I tend to think in terms of my audience. What might they be thinking? And those thoughts come to my mind. In this instance, What I think people may be thinking is, hey, you had a safety net. You could take this kind of chance if you wanted to. You were going to be okay. They heard that you had some options around jobs. You, You went there without a job, but yet you were still being picky among jobs. So you were fine. Dispel that perception for me. None of us have a safety net. That's a false perception. In the last year... Hang on. Take your time. I had a friend who took his life a few months ago. That's okay. Take your time. All right. We may think that we have a safety net, but we don't. In the last year, I had a call from a friend who took his life unexpectedly. You get a call that someone close to you has been in a car crash. I had a call that my cousin had a brain aneurysm. And I'm not saying this is on me. I, everybody has stuff like this. Whatever plans you think you have, whatever safety net we think we have, we don't. Sure, money's one thing, but that doesn't take away those other parts of your life. Those are things that we have to realize. There is no safety net. Everything in our life could be turned upside down in an instant. When I realize that, and I'm constantly reminded of it, it makes some of those decisions 
I won't say easier, but I can justify it in my mind that I don't know exactly how the movie's going to play out, but I do know there are options and there's choices and I can work through it because there's just no guarantees. There's a great quote. If you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. <laughs> right. That's a good one. I'll keep that in mind. One that I have lived by and my wife gave me this because I used to really, really sweat the preparation for a client meeting. She would see that and I would talk to her about some things. What if this? What if that? And I got to prepare all my audibles. And eventually she just stopped and said, you know, you can prepare and prepare and prepare for a meeting and then people show up. <laughs> I've lived by that. It's helped me tremendously. It's such a great aphorism for life. We can make all these plans, but something unexpected will happen. And in that moment, we have a choice. And really, it's how are we going to deal with that thing that just happened? That's the most important choice that we can make in those instances. Now, when you did some of these goofy things, you were single, right? <laughs> I've probably done goofy things my whole life. Yeah. <laughs> I just got engaged. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. And my girlfriend at the time moved cross country with me. I have done goofy things my entire life. I've been married in relationships single. This is the one thread that has had some layer of continuity throughout my entire life. Very nice. <laughs> Very nice. Tell me this, Harvey. What supports your optimism that you'll not only be okay, but you'll thrive? That's what I hear from you. What supports that? It's a great question. I do believe if something bad happens, you can find some positive thing in that. I was just talking to somebody the other day. I had a really bad boss a while back who shall go unnamed. But the good thing that came out of that was I learned I don't ever want to be that kind of a leader to my team. If something happens and there is a setback, there is some positive thing that we can derive from that and rechannel that energy. And I'm not saying it's easy. When you have a, a good friend and, and they've lost their life, well, that's different. That's in a different thing. But there is some positivity there, which is I appreciate that person. They taught me some incredible things and I can pass those on. Does that replace them? Absolutely not. It does fuel that level of optimism or willingness to accept what the challenge is and to keep pushing forward. Now, I know you're getting married, so I won't classify that as doing something goofy, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a magnanimous occasion. Is there another goofy thing that you're considering to keep the blood pumping and ensure you're living the life you intended? There is. I am moving to Austin. Keep Austin weird. Yep. If my boss is listening, I'm not quitting my job this time. Okay. Make it very clear. <laughs> Harvey is happy where he is. <laughs> the reason for that, there's a lot of tech firms that are in that area. I really want to see where things will go in that direction. To answer your question, there's three areas in your life. It's, it's your relationships. It's your professional life and athletics. I want to address those because if something's going bad in one of those, you could have two good things going on over here. And sometimes maybe the best part of your day is that you just got in a workout. You may have to take that. Ideally, if you can get all three on the same page, that's even better. So we'll go back to goofy because I think that word is appropriate. 
I'm planning on doing a 13 mile Spartan race in October in Dallas. So that'll be fun. The other thing I'm going to do on the athletic side, back in Naval Academy, my upper class challenged me to do 1,991 push-ups in 24 hours, which I did and was very sore. About eight months ago, I remember thinking, I wonder how many push-ups I could do now at age 52. I did 3,639. And I was thinking, if I would have slept a little less, I can get to 5,000. Sometime before the end of the year, I'm going to do 5,000 push-ups in a 24-hour period. That is amazing. Do them all at a Navy game. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes 24 hours. I don't think I've used that long. <laughs> Just start early in the day. Everybody's tailgating. We'll swing by periodically and watch you do push-ups. You'll do them throughout the game. After the game, that'll be wonderful. Maybe we can raise money. <laughs> sure. A dollar from a lot of people for every push-up you do. We'll do something for the class of 91. I don't know. There you go. Why did your classmates think you were goofy? <laughs> <laughs> I was this surf punk from Southern California who played water polo and wanted to let everybody know that I was some surf punk from Southern California. <laughs> At that age, you want to fight the tendency to conform, which is not a great thing to do in the military, by the way. Incredibly immature is probably the right word at the time. Right. And I wanted to stand out and I wanted to be different. And you quickly realize maybe that's not the best way to go. But it took me a few years to probably figure that out. Would I have done some things differently? Sure. Would it have been easier if I would have fit in? Yes. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have some individuality. I think that's important. But particularly in the military, it is important that we all get on the same page. And I'm not saying I wasn't. I look back with so much fondness and particularly the guys or and women who went through that really with just admiration for having done it. I'm very proud of that. Really my only regret, I wish in some cases I could have been in longer and done more. Well, let me ask you this. Shipmates out there who might want to reach out to you and talk to you, share their experience, how can they reach out to you? How would you like for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So LinkedIn is, is great. I accept every LinkedIn request that I get. Email is just my name, harvey.r.berman, B-E-R-M-A-N, at gmail.com. More than happy to chat with anyone who's a graduate or not a graduate. If there's anything I can do to help or to be of service, I would be privileged to do that. Well, look, I'm going to let you out on this one. This has been fantastic. I've talked with you a couple of times. I think what you share with us today is likely to resonate with a lot of people, but I want to learn something new about you. Teach me something new. Make me say, is that right? I will try. <laughs> Back in about 2000, 2001, I've always enjoyed writing. Through a strange series of events, I got hooked up with a few people who were doing some stuff, and we decided we were going to collaborate on some things. The book that we ended up doing resulted in, at times, <laughs> living in this mansion in L.A. that Courtney Love came and crashed <laughs> for about four or five days. What? <laughs> And hung out with her, and that was unusual, but only topped then with a night out with Marilyn Manson, who I'm certain does not remember me, nor does Courtney Love. What? But you got to remember, <laughs> even though, I, again, just some surf punk rat kid from Southern California, I have nothing on these Hollywood types. That's a whole different lifestyle. It was fun, and it was an experience. Like I said, I'm sure they have no idea who I am, but I definitely remember them. Wow. Is that right? 
William, I do want to go out on this. I have thoroughly enjoyed the interaction that you and I have had, and I have so much respect for what you're doing. Thank you for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Well, I greatly appreciate those kind words, and I thank you for being on the Guhe. Great job. That was fun. Thank you. Go Navy. I want to give another big thank you to my guest today, and thank you for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast, and more importantly, tell another shipmate to do likewise. The more shipmates are talking, the more opportunities we will create for each other. For show notes on today's episode, please go to theguhe.com. Until next time, I'm William Jones. Keep chopping wood.